You're listening to the Mac and Main Show. On 98.1 WQAQ. Driving forward. He's diving to the goal line. It's the goal line. A touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Is this the tiger? Welcome to Eternity. I turned to an addict, I brought me a paddock, I brought her a baby one. Yeah, I brought me a Maybach, came with two doors, yeah, that's a Mercedes one. I stay with the baddest, I'm counting cabbage while making my lady come. I brought a G-Wagon, that shit was a Brabus, that's why I be racing. Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war. Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war. Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war. Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war. I got static in my city. Who fucking with me? Pull up with this 30 and this chopper hole of 50. Man, I heard that nigga Mickey. Welcome everybody to the Mac and Main Show here on Zoom. This is like our, what is this, our third or fourth Zoom call right here? So we are here with fourth and goal underground sports Philadelphia, Patrick Hitz. He is here to break down the upcoming NFL draft for y'all. Pat, how's life been since we last talked to you? Uh, it's been staying inside in the pits cave, uh, watching endless amounts of football, playing endless amounts of sports, uh, thanks to the Xbox One. Um, and I've even got to the point where since there's absolutely zero sports to write about, I thought, why not write about my own created players? And I gave them a little backstory and I'm going to do a little short story series for that. Um, so I'm literally getting uh, to the point where if sports don't come back soon, um, I'm probably going to just create my own league in my head and just see what happens from there. Um, because there's nothing else to talk about that's uh, relevant to me uh, that does not cause a state of hysteria uh, with the masses. So other than that, I've been great. Everything's great. I got my iced tea here. My mom went to the store the other day and uh, stocked the house so we don't have to leave. Did you watch uh, any of the Jordan documentary last night? Yeah, so I watched the first episode. Um, yep, it's going to be incredible. I'll probably watch the second one uh, later on tonight. Um, and it's just, dude, that documentary is so good already. I cannot wait for the other nine episodes. Like, that is the best thing that ESPN could have possibly done during this time. I'm getting ready for the Patriots one to come out here. In like twenty more years. Yeah, that'll be in like twenty thirty-five. Twenty thirty-five, twenty forty. Was on because that's was, a lot to talk about. I think ESPN said they're gonna be releasing uh I think it's like three more actually. Hold on. I have it here. They're doing one on Sosa and Maguire, which is gonna be absolutely wild. Uh they have another one coming up, Lance Armstrong. I remember um I watched an interview with uh of him and Mike Tarico, and it's gonna be like the whole down downfalling of Lance Armstrong. What what? You don't like it, dude. I think I th- no. I think Lance. Ar- I think he, he and the whole his steroid thing is the most overrated sports scandal ever. I mean, it's it was all right, but I think the, the reason why it's so popular is because because it was one of the first major ones that we've seen. Because well, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't know. Yeah, it, think- it, it's very overblown. I think that it's overblown because you know he kind of like tarnished his own brand. 
with it. The well, Live yeah. Strong brand was kind of built on the fact that Lance Armstrong did it on his own when we found out. Ah, it turns out he well, was. Yeah. Well, my thing is that he just over. rode a bike. Like, he just biked. Like, it, he, like yeah, obviously he took steroids and stuff, and you can't do that when you're in any sort of league. doesn't matter if it's cycling or basketball, football, whatever. But, like, it, my big thing is that, like, it, it's such a huge ordeal, and it's not – like, he just wrote – I don't know. I, I think he's just so overrated. I think that whole thing, that's a whole other topic for another day. So, so you think because the Sosa-McGuire thing is tied to baseball and it's one of the four big sports that it kind of has a little more brevity? I think that the, when it comes to the steroid era in any type of sport, um, the big four is where it's most – I don't want to say prevalent, but it's more uh, – it should be – looked at more in depth because there's more to it. I mean, by taking an illegal substance like anabolic steroids, it gives you that competitive edge in the four major, in my, in my opinion. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and think and let you guys think that I'm some cycling expert. I'm not, but like, it's all about endurance really for me when it comes to cycling. So like, I mean, steroids or not like he still was um, i don't know it's a whole i just think it's so overblown like you know he took steroids whatever like it's he should be punished for it what he was but like the overall story of it's probably just because of the whole live strong uh brand that he has so you know if it's just because of that then you know whatever well hey you know what it's all right because uh we didn't we didn't bring here to talk cycling we're here to talk about the nfl draft god yeah i mean like god I, I think that, like, my, my saying is is that if it was easy, everybody could do it. And oh, long I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I am a cycler. Yeah, I'm not going to oh, say yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying, saying that. I'm just like, saying, well, like, I mean, like, all other... when you look, at a, you look at, you know, Tom Brady, a guy that gets paid to throw a ball, he gets paid $50 million to do that. You know, I can throw a ball. He can just do it better than I can. So he get, he, he's the guy that gets the big bucks. But yeah, anyway, exactly. we're here to talk NFL football. Happy Patriots Day to both of you guys. We are so excited to be coming to you guys on a day in which the Red Sox would start their game at 11.05 in the morning. He's got his Patriots hat. Pat, we're going to get your thoughts on the new Patriots uniforms at the end of the show. But um, as right. Steve mentioned, you are here to talk the NFL draft, which is coming up very shortly here. The Cincinnati Bengals have the one pick. The Washington Redskins have the two pick. And then our Patriots don't pick until the mid-20s. Steve's Giants have the fourth pick. So kind of break it down for us. What are we expecting to see here? Surprises, you know, surefire home run picks that we know are going to succeed in the NFL. You know, overall, this draft class, where does it rank in terms of the recent draft classes that we have had? I mean, this draft class has the potential to have, I would say, four all-stars, pro bowlers, maybe even a, one or two potential Hall of Famers um, with the talent already. And luckily for the Cincinnati Bengals, they have the most mortal lock number one pick ever. You cannot screw this up. And when I did my research for our draft preview uh, on fourth and goal, I did a lot, a little bit of research on the Bengals draft history because I obviously knew that they've had their woes. And I'm like, all right, I need to know more about this. So the past three times they've had the number one overall pick, they picked Dan Wilkinson, 
Kajana Carter and Carson Palmer. Now, we all know about Kajana Carter being the probably top 10 uh, biggest bust in NFL history, only playing 14 games uh, under the Cincinnati Bengals. Dan Wilkinson did not have a bad career. It started out a little rocky with a little uh, 11-day holdout period. So, But he still ended up being a pretty good player for them and whatnot. But, I mean, they didn't hit a home run with him. Um, I think they hit a home run with Carson Palmer, and they're going to do the same thing with Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow is ready for the NFL. We saw it last season with him and LSU. He just is a winner. He has that winner's mentality. And I think that everyone was saying that he's not, oh, the Bengals shouldn't draft him because he doesn't want to play there. He even said he wants to go play for Cincinnati, a team that was just a couple hours down the road from him. And it's one thing where it's like, all right, well, he's going to go to a a kind of a crap team. I don't think so in this case. The Bengals really made some moves in the offseason to kind of get him to be excited. You know, they, they franchise tag AJ green, which no one thought that they were, he was going to do. Um, I think they, they really upgraded their offensive line as well. And then you have Tyler Boyd, John Ross, uh, Joe Mixon at running back too. I mean, that's a really good situation for a, a rookie quarterback to go into. I'm not going to sit here and proclaim that they're going to win the AFC North, but I, I mean, if he is as ready as everyone is predicting him to be, in the NFL, I think this is a great place for him. And going transitioning into the second pick, Chase Young, same position. I mean, this guy, Ron Rivera, comes into the Redskins organization and wants to, you know, establish an identity. And on Ron Rivera's teams, his identity was smash mouth football on defense. And Chase Young could not be going to a better kind of situation. I mean, granted, yeah, it's the Redskins and their whole front office woes, but you know they it, they are trying to revamp themselves and be a contender again and getting Chase Young is just another step in that direction so obviously being a uh, New England based show the the listeners the fans they all want to hear about the big 3 teams that are up here in the northeast the giants the giants jets and pats uh being that you're a pats fan we'll start there first where do each what what do each of these three teams need in the first round? I know there's been a lot of talk about the Giants going offensive line or defensive line. The Jets need a little bit little bit more wide receiver help to help out Sam Darnold. Uh, the Pats with Tom Brady departing, we don't really know where they're going. They've talked about Brian Hoyer starting. They talked about Jared Stidham starting. They might even go go for a quarterback late. What do all three of these teams need? Break it all down for us. What do you have on the Giants, Jets, and Pats? So my big thing, I'll start with the Giants just because they do have a top five pick. Everyone, and this is just from my standpoint, you need to draft Isaiah Simmons. I know that the Giants need a lot of help on the offensive line to protect any franchise. So getting a guy like uh, Jedrick Wells or um, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa would be a really solid draft pick. I mean, if you can get a good offensive lineman in the first round you you're already getting yourself on base pretty well but Isaiah Simmons could really be that next generational defensive player for the Giants I mean Landon Collins is gone he's off to Washington and since you know you don't really have that guy anymore and Isaiah Simmons we talked about on, on my show is that He's a guy who can play any position. He can play any position on defense. He lined up at every position um, more than at least five times 
uh, last season for Clemson and did really well. He was an excellent pass rusher. He played great in pass coverage and he, he got a lot of interceptions and sacks. I mean, that's a guy that the giants really need to kickstart them and really balance their team to make them that playoff contender again. So if they took an offensive lineman, I would say, you know what? Good move. I'm not, you know, makes sense. But if they take Isaiah Simmons, they're really knocking out of the park. And whoever gets Isaiah Simmons, I've seen a lot of uh, mock drafts from analysts uh, having him go all the way to the Panthers. Um, I don't think that would be possible, but I really think um, that they should take Isaiah Simmons. Um, when it comes to the Jets, because they're picking at 11, again, they need an offensive uh, line. They need an offensive lineman to help them out and take one of those guys as well. Uh, they really need that. Granted, they also need a wide receiver. So, I mean, taking Jerry Judy, taking CeeDee Lamb, I think that'd be really good because you get rid of Robbie Anderson um, at the end of the year this year, at the start of the offseason. Yes, you do sign my dude, um, my guy, Brashad Perryman, who I think is going to have a real breakout year this year uh, just because of how well he played last season. So you got that expectation. You kind of saw what he can do when he's healthy. Uh, so if you get him in a, with a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, I think he can make some noise. But you need talent immediately, and you need to protect him. So um, I would say they should probably take a guy like Tristan Wirfs or um, – even Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Um, I think that'd be a great move as well. Um, and then when it comes to the Patriots, listen, I have a bold prediction for you guys here. And I said this to end the show last um, episode. I see the Patriots trading their pick to the Lions and picking third, trading away Stephon Gilmore to get that pick. And they would take Tua. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I know you're all shocked. Whoa. You're all, you're all shocked. Jack, yeah. please, please please give this in writing, please. Whoa, this is in the show logs. The, the, you, I'm just you, here okay. sipping my tea. I'm just here sipping my iced tea. Oh. New England cannot cannot get rid of their top two players on their team in the same off season. I'm sorry, you can't. It'd be a hell of a rebrand. Wow, holy! Um, I mean, like we're talking like. We're talking you're losing the greatest quarterback of all time, the guy that is the face of your franchise's history, and then you're losing the reigning defensive MVP. Just to get, what, Tua? A guy who's coming off hip surgery? A dislocated hip? The Bo Jackson injury? I'm not – I'm just just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, Ben Ben, uh, poised the question to me when we were talking on Xbox – and uh, I really thought about it for a couple of days. I was like, that would be crazy. And then I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, it makes sense. I mean, I don't think it's, it's – Steve has just walked away. <laughs> Steve no, has just I think he's away. getting his lamp. No, I should go get my we're Stephon Gilmore jersey out of my closet. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm here for I'm, – I'm, uh, this is why. And I'm not just saying it to be, you know, the next guy with a hot take. No, it makes sense when you really think about it. I mean, listen, the Patriots – just lost Tom Brady. So whether they roll out with Stidham or they draft a guy this year, it's not going to be the same team. They need a lot of help, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they still haven't reached an agreement with the guy that they supposedly franchise tagged in Joe Tunney. Uh, so, I mean, that, that there's a lot of issues there. So when you have a lot of issues, there's no way, you know, in this, you can kind of 
not sacrifice year in a sense, but you can make these moves like that. And Bill Belichick does have a great relationship with Nick Saban. Saban probably has some insight. Um, you know, that's kind of very outlandish. So I just threw that in for like a bold predictions. Um, but my, you know, real analysis here of what I think will uh, 95% happen is that the Patriots will either draft um, Xavier McKinney, uh, the safety, because they do need uh, help on the defensive side of the ball. McCordy's getting a little older, even though he did sign that deal. And then I think that they will either draft uh, Love or even Jalen Hurts because of what I said, that Nick Saban connection. And I think Jalen Hurts will really fit into that system as well, kind of with the rebranding of the Patriots, you know, just um, kind of go for it, either him or get Jake Fromm as well. So for the first time in a while, the Patriots have really had some options uh, at the draft. That's not just insert random O tackle at this round or whatnot. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. Well, until the Jets have a have a winning season, Steve and I are in disbelief right now. Steve, can you agree? Like, just well, um, I had a few questions uh, questions about the quarterbacks, and now that you kind of said that, I kind of just blew all the questions out of the water. So now I'm kind oh, of just like taken aback. Well, hang on. Well, hang on one sec because. Because, um, you know, there is no secret New England needs to fix their quarterback problem right now. It's something that we thought we would never have to utter until Tom Brady retired. But unfortunately, he left in free agency. So New England has to fix their quarterback problem. That hurts to say, honestly. Um, and then I think for the third straight year, the Giants are under – a very, very strong microscope in terms of the pick that they make because they've had a top eight pick for the past three years. They've had the number two pick, the number eight pick, and this year they got the four pick. So they got Saquon, then they got the guy to throw the ball uh, in in, uh, Daniel Jones, and now they're at the three pick. They were like a loss away. They were one loss away, right, Steve, from having the two pick? Mm-hmm. But they won the game in like in, like in overtime or something like that they dropped down to the four pick, but that means that they sacrificed taking Chase Young at two. So two questions here, Pat, kind of a, you know, kind of a, you know, your opinion. One, we know that Brian Hoyer is not the answer to the quarterback controversy in New England. And so, so what do you, do you think it's more realistic that they run with Jared Stidham or that they run with trying to find a quarterback late in the draft? And then two for the Giants, do we see a possibility of a trade up to try to move up and get Chase Young? I'll start with your, your question about the Patriots. I have no problem with Jared Stidham starting this year for the Patriots. It may seem it with my takes and my predictions, but if they do decide to roll out Jared Stidham, uh, I will not be upset in any sort of fashion um, because – I think you need to start young. You need to start with a new guy. You need to start with someone who's hungry and ready to become an NFL starting quarterback. From my own fan perspective, I want to see them get a big name. You had the biggest name in football for almost 20 years under center for you. Why don't you just roll with that hot hand and get the next big name of the NFL draft? And, make this guy the new face of New England in a sense. Uh, I like love from what I've been reading about uh, my reports that the Patriots are also uh, very high in just love as well. Um, 
I could see them trading up as well to get Herbert. Um, I think other than Tua, he is probably the best quarterback in the draft with his stature and uh, his ability to throw the ball and his uh, his presence in the pocket. And But, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen. I would love to say, yeah, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. But, you know, it's the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick doesn't really – give us uh, much to work with as fans to uh, talk about. So it will be very interesting to see. And to go off of the Giants, um, I I really think that they, yeah, they missed out with a Chase Young. Uh, I really think by winning that game, uh, crazy to say, but they they lost out on a guy that could benefit their, their defense a lot. But the, pro, but there's, the flip side of that coin is that they didn't really um, – miss out so much because you have the ability to draft Isaiah Simmons, who you could literally put at any position on the defensive side of the ball and he will have some sort of success. So it's really like a good problem to have if you're the Giants is that, oh, you know, we're not going to get Chase Young, but then, oh, on the flip side, we have a guy who could play every position, like a Brock Holt of the NFL here. Like, I mean, it's it's not a bad problem to have. And I can't, you know, Giants fans, I'm, I'm assuring you that, Whatever pick that Gettleman makes will not be a bad one. Granted, he probably will screw this up somehow. Um, but I, I really think that the Giants did not miss out a ton and that it, it's going to work out in their favor. So since we're on the topic mostly, mostly of quarterbacks and, uh, and edge rushers, I'll, I'll start from there. So obviously your, uh, your Pats take kind of blew me out of the water because um, I'm still shook by that. Uh, to the point that I may, have to, Jersey. I, I may have to Thank go you. get a beer in a minute. Um, but we'll start with the quarterbacks. So I have had a lot of internal conflict looking at the draft charts. I've been talking to friends, people who are really close to the game of football, um, people who go to college with some of these quarterbacks, who the arguments have been made for Jalen Hurts, the arguments have been made for Joe Burrow, for Tua, but the one name that I keep on seeing that I think might be the most composed and possibly the best quarterback behind Joe Burrow in the draft is Jake Fromm. Now, I've watched Jake Fromm for the last two years. I watched him in the national championship. I've watched him in the SEC championship twice. And rest in peace to Gilmore jersey. Uh, but yeah, Jack, Jake you're going to need a new Lions one uh, yeah. in about a couple weeks. In, in Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft, he doesn't even have Jake Fromm going in the first round. He has Jordan Love, Tua, uh, Burrow, and, and, and Co. All, all departing. But I think Jake Fromm is one of the most talented quarterbacks, with, along with, even though he has his inaccuracies, Justin Herbert had a rock-solid year in the Pac-12. There's been debates that, that the Chargers might want to move up from their spot to go to three, where you're saying the Pats would, would possibly go. But is there an opportunity for the Chargers to possibly move up to three? I know they've been dead set on Justin Herbert or Tua. And with the fact that Miami's sitting at five and is probably poised to take Tua, considering the whole tank for Tua movement, could we possibly see the Chargers fitting in before the Pats do on a trade with Detroit? Yeah, Detroit is even outwardly said, uh, General Manager Bob Quinn has said, that they're really open to trading that third pick because it's a great situation for them. The guy they want is a top 10 guy. He's not a top five guy. 
So they can go down to the sixth pick and still get Okuda. And I, as you know, being a Lions loyalist, I say, I want them to take Isaiah Simmons. I think that they should take Isaiah Simmons because he could be more beneficial to them on all aspects of def- uh, on defense compared to Okuda, who's really just there for pass coverage. However, in more of my digging and diving and reading and, um, you know, watching whatnot, um, the Lions were terrible against the pass last year. They were so bad that they ranked the worst pass defense in the NFL, uh, allowing over 400, 4,000, uh, 4,400 yards. Um, it was the most out of any team in the NFL. So I think they really need – they know that, obviously, and they need to fix that, especially with uh, Darius Slay going to Philly. And the good news with that is they didn't, they're not just going to sign Okuda they're, or draft Okuda. They signed Dewan Harmon. They got Desmond Trufant, who Desmond Trufant, yeah, he didn't have a good year in Atlanta, but then again, no, no player in Atlanta had a good year last year. So, and then you get Jamie Collins from the Pats, who is really, he's a specialty in pass coverage. So, and then you still have Trey Flowers. So you're making a little AAA Patriots in Detroit. Just get Okuda and ride with that. And if a team comes to you and says, listen, we want the three pick because we want this quarterback. You go to this position, you're going to get Okuda. They're going to go with that, and they're probably going to, um, you know, trade. They're going to probably do that trade. So I expect the Lions to trade that pick at some point. I just know that they're going to take Okuda, uh, whether it's at the three pick, six pick, or even 12 pick. So, and also, not to mention, if they end up trading back to whether it be the, the Chargers or further, they're going to be able to get probably another additional pick or a possible player. For- that that the team might look for a salary dump. So the Lions ha- have a good deal there. But focusing in on the Chargers with their, with their pursuit for a quarterback, do you see them possibly trading up to three? And if so, would they go with Tua or with Herbert? Uh, the Chargers, here's the thing. And I can't, this is another absolute just nonsense uh, take that I saw on the NFL Network. Um, so – I see the Chargers trading up. I really do. I think they're going to do whatever they can to get that quarterback and get their franchise guy. But I'm going to go into my notes here because I was listening to my one of my favorite analysts on the NFL Network in Peter Schrager, and he had the radio announcer for the Chargers on. And he actually gave a very interesting take about what the Chargers should do because do you know who the Chargers quarterback is if they do not draft a Herbert or Tua? Blake Bortles? No, that's the Rams. The, the last Chargers back. Tyrod Taylor. Oh, I was, that was my second guess. So Tyrod Taylor has had some experience being a starting NFL quarterback with the Bills and then – a Except little bit with the playoffs the before, um, you know, the Baker Baker touchdown maker. You took the Bills to the playoffs, correct? You did not take the Browns. Um, so this was what I saw, and when he said this, it really got me going um, into what I think would be probably the most absurd draft day move. So you have the Chargers at the sixth pick, okay? Say they do decide to go and. They're going to stick their guns with Tyrod Taylor. He's turning 30 this year. He's kind of, um, you know, he's 
on the out in a sense of potential. His ceiling is getting lower and lower by the year. And let's say they, they draft Isaiah Simmons if it falls to him. You know, say the Giants do take that offensive lineman. Well, if the Giants take the offensive lineman, the Dolphins are going to take a quarterback. So then that leaves the Chargers sitting at six, making a very interesting decision. That interesting decision would be that they take Isaiah Simmons and pair him with a defense with these guys that I'm about to list. Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, Chris Harris, who they just got from the Broncos, Casey Hayward, and then the radio announcer also said that he is really high on this guy, Drew Tranquil, uh, at linebacker. So if you pair Isaiah Simmons with those guys in that defense, that is an that might be a top three defense in the league come next year. And the other side of the coin of that is, oh, well, why would they do that? Well, who do they, they play in the same division as the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. Who can stop that offensive powerhouse that is the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, if you get, if you pair Isaiah Simmons with that defense, I mean, Pat Mahomes didn't throw for more than 150 yards against the Chargers last season. And that was his probably two worst games of the year. I mean, yeah, you have, if you go with that thought process during the draft, now you're looking at Tyrod Taylor being like a Trent Dilfer, a uh, game managing quarterback who gets you to the Super Bowl based on your defense. And now you look like the 2000 Ravens. So it's really interesting to see what they could do here. And if they make that move, that would be something out of Madden and something that would be kind of really revolutionary. And if that was to, to happen, I would really tip my cap to the, uh, I'm saying San Diego Chargers. I, will, I refuse to call them Los Angeles. So, Pat, uh, before we, before we uh, had you on today, Steve and I – or Steve, Steve mentioned something to me. That just kind of didn't hit my ear very right. He said, Jake Fromm is the best quarterback in this draft. I'm going to ride it. I would go top, I would go top three um, in – or top five at least. Um, I mean, I, what Herbert did last season is incredible, uh, to be brutally honest with you. I think he, he had a great season in the Pac-12 uh, at this whatever comps they are um he had a great season with them Tua obviously there's a lot of concern with his injury but I really think this uh 23-19 virus going around right now is going to be in his favor because now he has more time to heal and more time to get that rehab and you know get it healthy with that being said I think Jake Fromm is is a NFL quarterback waiting to happen I, I really think he has what it takes. He, he's already been to a national championship, so he knows what it's like to play in a big stage. He played at Georgia, a great program. And if they don't take Jordan Love, uh, the Patriots, or they don't do that uh, absurd, uh, wacky trade that I just mentioned that had you guys uh, on the floor, I could see them taking Jake Fromm because then you get Xavier McKinney in the first round and Jake Fromm's falling and uh, in drafts, take him in the second instead of Hurts. Yeah, I could definitely see that, and I think that wouldn't be a bad move either. So there's a lot of options that the Patriots can do here that would not be bad and actually be actually be beneficial for them. So I'm just excited to see what could happen. I do agree with that take, though. I wouldn't say he's the best, but I would definitely say he's top five. So because he's he's not better than Joe Burrow. Hold on, Joey hold Buckets. On. Hold on, J- Jack's mixing my word. Jack's mixing my words up. I said Jake Fromm 
could arguably be better with shelf life than Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. He's a lot of poise. Think about it. These are two SEC quarterbacks. First of all, my whole point with the, with the idea that SEC quarterbacks don't work in the NFL, which is true, considering in the last 10 to 15 years, possibly even 20 years, outside of Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Matt Stafford, and I think two other, two other players, all SEC quarterbacks fail. You look at Zach Mettenberger, AJ McCarron, Aaron Murray, and the list goes on. My, my whole point is, though, is that Jake Fromm, I feel, has more – he's – I don't want to say he's had more experience than Joe Burrow has because Joe Burrow's story is much much like what Kyler Murray had and what Baker Mayfield had, where they were they, – they didn't have the opportunity to start early on in their careers, transferred, and managed to find themselves. And, like, I, I love the fact that Joe Burrow had one of the best throwing seasons in – in SEC history. But my argument is with Jake Fromm is that under a three-year system where he ran a run-heavy offense, where in the three years that he played, he had uh, Evander Holyfield's son, I'm missing what his name is, as well as Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb in a run-heavy ground-pound offense in Georgia. He still managed to throw for, uh, on average, 2,700 yards, which is pretty good considering the last quarterback to do that in Georgia was Matt Stafford. That was a long time ago. And he completed 64% of his passes, which was on par with Justin Herbert. My big thing is that Joe Burrow was great, but outside of, the, outside of this one season, he was just another SEC quarterback, in my opinion. Last year, no one really knew who he was. He was a good quarterback. I think it comes down to the system. And I've been saying this for a long time, is the system that you're in works. And if it works, you're a good player. Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron's system was incredible, as was Jake Fromm in the, in the Georgia system. Again, I'm forgetting uh, the head coach of Georgia. But the system matters, and I think if Joe Burrow goes to a team like Cleveland, it's going to come down to what are they doing in Cincinnati. Is it going to help Joe Burrow, or is it going to be something that just might not necessarily work? The system that you go into matters as a quarterback. That's my argument. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I totally agree with that. My, my big thing is with Fromm is, you know, I, that's why I, I'm more likely agreeing with you in this sense. But uh, I think that Burrow will have a good year. I, I'm not going to predict if he will win rookie of the year yet because the NFL and college football are two completely styles of football. Mm. My biggest concern with Jake Fromm is that you know there has not been a lot of talk around him anymore because he's got overshadowed by Burrow by Herbert by Tua even by Jalen Hurts so you know people are kind of sleeping on him and will people that continue to sleep on him will that transfer over into the NFL with the amount of uh, star power that they have with that at the quarterback position I think that Jake Fromm is a solid quarterback for any franchise to start but you're right he has to go into a system where it's the the kind of the pieces are already there and he just kind of fits in the next tetris piece you know he he just fits in that puzzle really well he's not going to revolutionize anything he's not going to be that guy who you know is going to steal the show but he's going to be a good quarterback that will win you games. And when you were mentioning SEC quarterbacks, the only one that came to mind that's really been successful is Eli Manning. And he only won two Super Bowls because his defense got him there. And one lucky helmet catch that um, is the luckiest play in NFL history. And anytime he's playing sports. Yeah. I I was watching Mm -hmm. that um, with the, with uh, the lady pits a couple of weeks ago. 
um, we, we were, um, I watched it over. And when I think about it, 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 it's, it's, I'm not a whole other argument. I'm not going to get into it. But the point is, it, it, these SEC quarterbacks have so much hype coming out of college, and they don't really do much. And that's my that's my biggest thing is that, um, you know, you look at Stafford, Steve. You just said that Stafford would be the next great that you could probably see. Stafford's only been to one Pro Bowl. Stafford's yeah. only been to two playoffs. Yeah. Granted, he was injured and, you know, with Calvin Johnson. Leaving yeah, throwing out the guy, Calvin Johnson. The, yeah, and he has to, and then they have no run game to support him. Now you do with a with a running back and carry on Johnson and their ability to team there. So I'm actually very interested to see what they do there. But yeah, Jake Fromm needs to go into a system that's really kind of ready to go, and that's why I think him falling is actually going to be in his favor. I mean, if he goes into the Patriots system, well, the pieces Amazing. are low key already there. You have Sony Michelle, you already played together. You have um, Nikhil Harry, and that's about, you know, you have the, the weapons there. They're going to, the Patriots, I mean, Jacoby Myers, I want to say, would be a good piece, but he's got to learn how to run a route first. So I think it'd be a good system, though, and he learns under Belichick, who has been just an unbelievable mastermind, and he can learn that playbook. He'll be fine. Um, but my but I want star power. I want the guy who's who's hot right now. I want the guy who's riding high. And Tua, I don't agree with that move about trading the third pick to get Tua. If you trade the third pick and get Herbert, now we're talking. Now that's a good move, in my opinion, because I think Herbert's ready. I think he'd fit in well in New England, and he's a pocket presence. He's not this uh, run-and-gun type quarterback that we've seen with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, even a little bit of Pat Mahomes and Cam Newton. Um, you know, I really think that you get Herbert, and I think the Patriots, uh, you know, really improve and will benefit from that. So speaking right. of, oh, sorry, Jack, Jack, if I'm... Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just, I think that we're going to, we're going to move on to our next segment here. Well, hold on. I have one last question. Speaking, right, speaking, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. speaking on mobile quarterbacks, and we brought them up earlier, uh, Jalen Hurts, with an air raid offense at Oklahoma uh, that was very predicated on if, if you don't have your man deep, run the football because you could do it. They did it with Baker Mayfield two years ago. They did it last year with Kyler Murray. Two years ago, Kyler Murray. Three years ago, Baker Mayfield. And now they have Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to do uh, much unless, again, he enters a system that will predicate the offense around him being able to run the ball. But do you think Jalen Hurts has a good opportunity to be a threat in the league, or are we kind of just whiffing on him? No, the way the league's going right now, it's this is a mobile quarterback game. I mean, the quarterbacks are basically the running backs, uh, you know, essentially. Um, Lamar Jackson winning MVP last year kind of solidified that, and he was the best player in the league last year, uh, clearly. But I see this trend kind of fading away, and we're going to see Lamar Jackson fade unless he becomes more of a pocket presence. And as well as Kyler Murray, I think Kyler Murray is in a great situation right now where, in my opinion, is probably my vote to win MVP, not only because he is that type of running back, I mean running back, he's that type of quarterback that can run the ball uh, like Lamar Jackson, but he also has a great arm too. He throws a lot better than Lamar Jackson. He's a better pass, better touch on the ball, uh, better arm, better arm talent, as the analysts are saying. Um, So what he's going to do is he's going to learn how to balance that. And I think that Jalen Hurts coming into the league and why I want him to go to the Patriots is because of what you've said, you know, the Oklahoma ran that run and gun. If you ain't open downfield, 
get on your horse. And what Bill Belichick can do is take that, use it because we've never seen someone who can scramble. And the way the league's going right now, a lot of those pockets are really getting smaller and smaller as the, the edge rushers and defensive lines get better. And you need a guy who can either escape the pocket with his throwing ability or his feet. And I think that if you get a guy like Hertz or, you know, someone like that, you can really do something with it and make him into that pocket passer who can scramble, not a West coast type quarterback. All right, Pat. So before we move on to our last segment, you have time to stick around for our last segment, by the way. I am free as a bird. Jeff. Perfect. Perfect. So before we take a break and we head on to our next segment, the New England Patriots just released their first major uniform change in like 20 years, more than that. They have been rocking the same – this is what they were rocking, the the uh, the blue with the gray stripe. Oh, way to, way to, way to bring it back. Way to bring oh, it back. I just, had, I just had it right here. I just had it right here. You just here. had it handy. No, it's not because yeah. – yeah, okay. <laughs> And then, um, and then they will be they will be switching to the color rush jerseys for the 2020 season, introducing brand new whites to go along with it. So I'm a fan of these. A lot of people when they were when they were first rolled out as color rush jerseys in like 2016, a lot of people weren't fans of them. I honestly, I really like them. I think that the red, uh, the red stripes kind of they 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 jive really well with the navy and and um you know the lettering is real nice on it the only the only other change is that they are they're going to wear blue pants with all their uniforms instead of rolling with grays for their homes so pat we've seen now what the new the patriots are like the third team this year so far to change the they're the fourth team well okay so it was is tampa bay atlanta oh and then the browns did and then and now new england and oh, we're still well, waiting someone on the Rams. Oh, okay. Everyone we're still says the Colts. On the Rams. Yeah, we're still waiting on the Rams because they changed their logo to be um, Ron Burgundy's New Station's uh, logo. <laughs> but everyone's saying the Colts changed their uniforms, bro. They added black. Like that's it. They didn't. Well, they didn't add. They didn't change their uniforms. I didn't even hear about that. Color. I'm not gonna lie. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and it's written, and at this point, it's not even official change. They just they put it out. It's still like waiting to be. Her, I don't know, because I, I got bashed on Twitter for it. So I said that the Falcons, you know, it's the Browns, it's the Browns. Browns were the third team to unveil New Jersey, and, the, and I had a troll come up, uh, respond to me, say, actually, the Colts did. It's like, all right, well, where is it? They only added black. Show me the uh, New Jersey, and he couldn't do it. So, um, well, the Colts, I, I, the, the, um, sorry for you, the Colts are funny because they're, because they're, uh, I read this, uh, I read this like yesterday. They're currently in a court case against a, uh, a high school team from Indianapolis who – because the Colts' biggest thing was, was they changed their logo, not, not, their, um, not their jerseys necessarily. But apparently a high school is, like, suing the Colts for, like, taking their logo. Meanwhile, it's usually like always – Like the horseshoe? No, it's um, – they changed it around a little bit. I haven't seen it uh, because it currently isn't, like, declared because it's in court. So they haven't, like, unveiled it and fully uh, made it official. And, and trademarked it, but apparently, like they're in, they're in some uh, some water suit with a high school about uh, their logo because apparently they stole it from them. Something crazy. That's bizarre. But anyway, Pat, the uh, the the Patriots rolled out new. They're they're really they're the just the new road uniforms because we've seen the color rush ones before. What are we thinking? They're getting rid of the the uh, the, the traditional blue stripe. They're kind of. It feels like a lot of teams are moving toward these like these like pastel color uniforms that are 
one, maybe two colors, and then and then just kind of keeping it that. I, I just hate it. I, I really do. I, I think it's stupid. Really? I think it looks terrible. I think it is a bad look for them, and it's kind of a signal that we're going to have some bad years to come. Uh, they're just It literally looks like I went on NFL 2K5 and wanted to make my own uniform, and my – we're going to say un, unartistic ability because I can barely draw a stick figure. I created that jersey, and it's the same as what we've seen before. You already said it. I mean, every team is conforming to this. It's the same type of jersey. Um, I wanted a little bit of change. I wanted some red because we are the Patriots. Pat Patriot, get him back in the mix. Get a logo change in there. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I think Brady's everyone was gone. looking for that. Yeah, and Brady's gone, so it's like, all right, makes sense. Let's kind of revamp and rebrand here. And they didn't. They, they did a like a, a rebrand. It's like, oh, it, it, you know what it's like? It's like when you're at work and it's like, all right, we're implementing a new policy. And it's like a new cell phone policy. If And it's just something like that where they had it in place, but they're just kind of like, all right, we're going to enforce it. Like they just enforce their new rebrand with the color rush jerseys. It's lazy. It's terrible. Um, I think that the Patriots, it, that's not who they are with their jerseys. Um, and it's just terrible. I mean, bring back the old 90s look, to be honest with you. They said, oh, something old, something blue. Yeah, something old from what, 2017? That's not old. No, like, get over it. I'm so upset. Like, I woke up to that this morning, and I was just so upset. Like, really? This is it? I, oh, I was, oh, that was a, one way to wake up to that. I was, I was just so annoyed, and even, even Dickie Pitt's uh, – Papa Pitts even was like, yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that they would run the Pat the the Pat the Patriot helmets, and they're yes. they're still rolling with the they're still rolling with the with the other the other logo. I would have I would have loved the return of the uh, the old AFL like red uniforms they had. Oh, that would have been yes. beautiful. Those that would have been beautiful. Yes. Oh, those are so sleek. Also, like the yeah. sorry, Pat, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Total side grievance here. I hate the fact that teams are switching over to their color color rough jerseys as their like primary. Like, I I hate like like the brown with the with the Browns with the all brown uniform. Or uh, I know the, don't the, get the, me started on the Browns uniform change. I oh my lord, you want you thought my take on the Patriots was lazy? Oh, so they changed. Oh. I looked at it. They changed a stripe. That's all they did. Nah, they changed dude, a that's stripe. Like that's this like me saying, had. yeah, I'm changing my diet, but in fact, I just, I don't eat another meal. I just replace the, I go two meals a day, and then one of my meals is still Burger King. Like, that's what the Browns did. They just, they literally just did a move like that where it's not a change. It's just like. They just they made this one white. A bit. Yeah, they just made yeah, this one yeah. white. Well, hold on, wait. Yeah, they made that white, right? and and I'm pretty sure they, they changed the uh, the pants stripe. What, like, one little, yeah. like, it's embarrassing, it's ridiculous, but, like, well, like for the Pats, why wouldn't you wear white pants with your blue home unis? I feel like it's like it, it, like it's almost like ha- like how baseball you wear white as your primary, you wear gray as your alter as your road, or 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 your alternate would be the the blue, and also like in the um in the in the NHL, your your like for the Rangers, your blue is your home, your white's your road. You wear the white for the road, the the blue for the home, but but have the white pants for both. Uh, the blue white pants, pants are like, clean. It's a good look. It's a good look. It is. Sports teams. The I'm white pants are the clean. Highlights of the Super Bowl right now um, with the Colts and Saints. And the Colts got the white pants with the blue look. It just looks clean. Gorgeous. It looks official. 
and mm-hmm. I, I just hate I, I just hate everything that's going. it's like the, the um, Falcons like everyone bashes the Falcons for being the longest yard lookalikes but I mean <laughs> I thought they did a great still job better yeah it's like, still better home, than anything but their whites their whites are crisp their whites they are, nice. are crisp Good love the Falcons like New Jersey's we got to take we got to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be breaking down. We're going to introduce a new segment that we're going to be rolling with here every single week until we can get some sports back up and rolling. You are watching and listening to the Mac and Main Show. Welcome back to the Mac and Main Show, brought to you by Zoom, not sponsored. Jack Main, Steve McAvoy, Pat Pitts talking NFL draft, which is upcoming later this week. Steve's got a couple more questions before we break down our next segment that we will be running for the next few weeks. So, Steve, take it away. A quick little thing uh, around the league. So, in, in, the first, in the first half, we talked about uh, quarterbacks, talked a lot about Isaiah Simmons uh, and what's really going to happen in those top five picks. But I kind of want to see uh, – Pat, your take on a few other things. First of all, I want to start off with the wide receivers because there's been a huge uh, debate between who really is the perennial number one. People are saying CeeDee Lamb will fall off the board first. Some say some say Jerry Judy. Some say uh, Henry Ruggs. And then others uh, say, uh, I believe it's just Justin Jefferson out of, uh, out of LSU. Uh, who do you think is the real uh, number one wide receiver and where do you think they'll fall? I think the real number one I, what's going to happen is they're going to go Jerry Judy. I think he's going to be the first one off the board. Mm-hmm. It's going to go Judy, Ruggs – or no, Judy, Lamb, then Ruggs, uh, the top three wide receivers off my board. Um, <clears throat> I, I really think that Jerry Judy is the real deal. I mean, when you play at Alabama, just you have that prestige with you uh, wherever you go, and the name alone will get you a little bit higher than – uh, if you know, if you go to like an Oklahoma or a Texas, you know, it's just that that name alone will get you there. And I think Judy's ready as well. Um, it, it really, for me, it goes Judy and CD Lamb one A one B, and then Henry Ruggs uh, at three. So uh, I see those three guys, uh, the first three off the board. So compounded question here: uh, last season, last last draft, uh, kind of the like what the hell happened here? Pick was Clellan Farrell going to? Uh, Going, going to the Raiders way too soon. Um, so Mel Kuyper uh, was interviewed the other day uh, with his last week with his mock draft 4.0, and he was talking about edge rushers and how there aren't many great ones to come by, but the ones that are available in the first round are going to be really home run picks. Isaiah Simmons kind of leads that pack. Two things. One, do you think we're going to see another one of those wow picks? And if so, might it be an edge rush because people might tend to overpay for them? Uh, in this instance, but who's your wow pick? Um, I my wow pick. It's not really a wow. Like wow, they're gonna steal the show. Um, I really think that we're gonna have a wow pick like the Raiders uh, a year ago. Like where I see the Raiders doing exactly what the Raiders do, and that is just take a random receiver or random guy who's just fast. And I think that we're going to see a guy like that come off the board. Um, you know, guy out of Kentucky, uh, Lynn Bowden, uh, wide receiver. He eats, you know, 13 touchdowns in 2019, and he was even used at quarterback a little bit. Um, 
and he caught a couple uh, passes as well and, he, you know, all that. So I think he's someone that we could see some just out of nowhere. Uh, Ashton Davis, safety out of California, we could see him go a little higher than expected. Um, and then uh, our guy, uh, one of our <clears throat> staff members, uh, F-Tank Diesel, said that there will not be a running back out of the first round. I think that uh, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College will be – in the first round, I, I think we'll see a running back go in the first round, but it will be to a team like the Chiefs or uh, Ravens. So I just saw a report on my Facebook page that said the Giants are really high on Justin Herbert. What? And if they get out of here, I'm dead serious. Ian Rappaport actually was the one that said this: that the Giants are high on Justin Herbert. Do you think that that's a smokescreen, or do you think that that is a legit? Dave gentleman, you know, comment. Clickbait. Next next article. That's what it is. I don't know. There's what no Andy, way they if they draft a quarterback, that's the most if they draft a quarterback, player. Steve, I would join you in storming MetLife. I don't know. All right, hold on. First I, game. When the Cardinals took Kyler Murray and said, Screw you, Josh Rosen, I understand because Josh Rosen sucked ass. Daniel Jones didn't do bad. I don't understand why. It, even if it is true, if you if you take, take Justin Herbert, what are you going to do? Trade Dan, trade Danny Danny Dimes for a fourth round pick? What's it going to do for you? Nothing. Anyways, final question for you, Pat. Before we move on, so with the coronavirus, obviously we've we're, we're here with no sports, but I think the biggest thing that people are kind of missing is the fact that uh, analysts like Adam Schefter are always kind of on top of the eight ball when it comes to uh, like for example, the first overall pick. We all kind of know it's going to be Joe Burrow. But usually by now, with three or four days before the draft, it's kind of like, all right, Adam, Adam Schefter, we're kind of waiting for the tweet. Joe Burrow, number one, it's guaranteed it's going to happen. The front office confirmed it. But we haven't really had that. And I think a lot of it is kind of due to the coronavirus. Uh, how do you think the gap is between the media and the NFL? Do you think people are going to be a lot, a lot more surprised by this draft? Because they don't necessarily know the moves that, that might happen or – um, the fact that people can't really be in these war rooms interviewing, like, right there in person, seeing, like, what's really going to happen. What do you think about that? I actually – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oppose that a little bit. I think we're going to know a little bit more. You know, just how easy it is to get access to all these front office guys and all these guys in management. I mean, you, you know for a fact Schefter and Rappaport and all these guys have their phone numbers. It's not even close. It's easier to send a text to someone than it is to walk into a room and talk to them face-to-face. <clears throat> so you're going to see a lot more inside info. Yeah, it may not be, it'll be reported like, oh, that's not true. Like, it was just texted or whatever. But, like, we're going to see a lot more unfold than you would expect to see in, a, uh, in an in-person draft. You don't <clears throat> think because, it, you don't think because it's, it's over text it might not come off as, as genuine or it might kind of just be kind of pushing off? No, I think I think what happened is they'll go, they'll answer the trusted guys like Rappaport and Schefter, and maybe like one or two ESPN NFL Network guys. But like those guys will get the real info, so that's who they're gonna like really push to follow. But you know your your hometown reporters are aren't gonna have that that same uh, buzz. All right. All right, here we go. Welcome everybody to the new Mac in Maine top 10 segment. So every show is going to have an analyst for the foreseeable future. And every analyst is going to get to break down a top 10 list that Steve and I come up with pre-show. 
So since Pat Pitts is our NFL insider, we are going to have him break down our lists of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. And then Steve will have, or, and then, and then Pat will have a chance to give us his top 10 quarterbacks of all time. So Steve and I, our lists are very similar. We text them both to Pat. So he has them both on his phone where he can look at them and then kind of rate them on based on what he thinks, but he's the, he is our resident NFL expert. We're going to, we're going to give pitch the reins here. So we'll, I'll Steve, do you want to start by listing off your, your top 10 quarterbacks of all time? Yeah. So do you want to uh, start from 10 to one or do you want to go from one to one to 10? I think we can go from one to 10 because the first yeah. four are going to be like pretty, yeah. pretty solid. So, uh, I've been, I've been debating this a lot with a lot of friends of mine. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding who I have picked uh, in certain places. So this is really why I, I wanted to get Pat on to kind of solidify these things, but my top 10 quarterbacks, and there was a little bit of change uh, recently. So number one is Tom Brady. Uh, that's kind of really isn't a debate on my end. Um, no, it's not a debate. Two, number two is Joe Montana. A lot of people have debated that, that Joe Montana – uh, although he he only threw for over 4,000 yards once, I believe it was. Um, the guy won three straight Super Bowls. The guy is an absolute legend. He dominated the 80s. There's no four? No, 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 no. no. Oh, he won four total. I don't know. Yeah. Did he, he did not win four straight. He won two straight. Did not he win three straight. Yeah, he didn't win four straight, but he won four. He was four. He's 4-0 four in Super Bowls. Yeah, 4-0 in Super Bowls. I'm almost positive he, he won three straight. I could be wrong. Fact check me at, at LI Sports Bureau. But Joe Montana dominated the 80s, the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I have him sit slotting at number two. Number three and four, two guys in recent memory, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. Uh, there's been a lot of people saying Aaron Rodgers is going to be up there. I think Aaron Rodgers would give him another Super Bowl ring. He might creep his way up there. But Drew Brees, one of the all-time great passers. And then just Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greatest field generals. The guy would the guy would run would he shoot clock like nobody else? You'd play him in Madden, and he'd be run he'd be calling plays at the four second mark, still audibling out and running hot routes. The guy knew, the guy knew exactly exactly what he was doing. One of the best of all time. So those are my top four. Five, six, and seven is where my list got got fully shaken up. Originally, at five I had Johnny Unitas, six was Dan Marino, and seven was Aaron Rodgers. I changed it up a little bit. I've essentially just pushed everyone up and back. So number five is Dan Marino. Number six is Aaron Rodgers. And number seven is Johnny Unitas. I had Unitas down as five originally because he revolutionized the quarterback position in a run-heavy league in the 1950s where the argument that, that I've gotten from everybody, and Pat, I want your input on this, was that because it was the 1950s, if you put him in the modern-day NFL, he wouldn't thrive. We all know that because Aaron Donald didn't exist in the 1950s. But regardless, the man had one of the better arms in the league, wasn't as accurate, but was a – he was a phenomenal quarterback. He's, what, he's the reason why we had Joe Namath, and, and he's why we had Bart Starr, and we managed to get these great quarterbacks on from there. But I had United at seven. Number five, Dan Marino, um, really was one of the first true deep passers of his time. The guy was, the, guy was the first pass-oriented quarterback, again, in a run-heavy league. Number six is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he, he's still going. I think he can get higher, but I think number six is kind of where he stays put. Give him another ring. And then eight, nine, ten, I don't really want to talk any further, but it's uh, Brett Favre, John Elway, and Roger Staubach. That rounds up my ten. So my list contains the same exact group of quarterbacks. I got with, with, a, little, with a couple of, of – uh, of, tweaks it here and there so one Brady and then I got two Peyton Manning the field general like you mentioned single season touchdown holder 
didn't turn the ball over when he was early in his career. And the only reason why he didn't win another ring is because he ran into one of the greatest defenses of all time in, in the Legion of Boom when he had the greatest offense that was ever put together on the field. Three, I've got Drew Brees because he is the all-time passing leader in the NFL. The guy's still doing it at age 41. In my mind, he, he has been gypped out of a couple MVPs. And had it not been for the historically terrible defense that he had in the early 2010s, he probably would have had a couple more MVPs, probably would have had a couple more Super Bowls as well. Four, I've got Joe Montana. Um, you know, I wanted to put him at two because he was like the Brady before Brady, but with the recent success that Drew Brees and Peyton Manning had late in their career, I, it, it unfortunately just bumped Joe Montana down, but four and zero in the Super Bowl, he's still the, like the top four guys on my list are all on a league of their own far and away better than any of the other quarterbacks on here. Five. I had Bart, uh, Brett Favre, you know, one star. of the strongest arms, one of the, one of the smartest quarterbacks turned the ball over a lot, but he also threw for the most touchdowns in his single career. So, you know, Brett Favre, number five quarterback, number that six, I got rock some Wrangler jeans, by the way, just saying. he can, he can <laughs> six. I've got Johnny United for the same reason. Steve mentioned seven. I've got John Ella because he basically won two Super Bowls with the Broncos by himself. Eight. I've got Dan Marino, nine, Roger Starbaugh. And then 10, I have Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you can even put him on. I don't even think you can give him a top, a top, a top six position in, in my opinion. Pat's looking at me like he's got oh, something oh, stupid Jack. to say. Oh, Jack. All right. It's, it's not even close. I agree with Steve Moore. And this is why. First off, Jack, Joe Montana won four Super Bowls and won four and won the Super Bowl. That's the only stat that makes him number two. That the I don't you don't need to you don't need to write a five paragraph essay with three details. That is the only detail you need to know because the most important thing when it comes to any or not really any position, but when it comes to the quarterback position, are Super Bowl and playoff wins. And Joe Montana it went four and zero in Super Bowls, and he's absolutely number two, not even close. Um, I'm going to in you you you. First off, this is just another thing, too. You said the greatest offense ever assembled. It's the second greatest offense ever assembled. 2007 Patriots okay, are the greatest offense Patriots, ever assembled. But in, terms of, but in terms of, like, statistics and then, and then like, success, I mean, if not for running into the greatest defense of our time in Seattle, Peyton Manning is well on his way to his second ring instead of having to get carried they only by had, they only had Von Miller two years later. Well, they only had more stats because they're on the field longer because the Patriots got off the field and then dominated on defense, too. Yeah, they, like, that's let's they like, the were, like, last in the league in time it all, the ball or whatever. Just that's, saying, it's not a, it's, that's what I, it also didn't help that Peyton Manning played a Super Bowl in the cold, and, and at that point his arm was a noodle. So Yeah, when, but he still broke when, the touch. He broke the touchdown record with that when, noodle arm. He played a Super Bowl in the cold. He also played Tom in Denver, Brady, bro. Literally, yeah. It Tom was Brady snowing the day of. Okay, Tom Brady played in a divisional game his first year as a starter in the snow. In the pounding snow. And literally did but, what he could to win. But Peyton Manning don't, don't, Peyton I hate Manning the cold late weather. 30s. Peyton, weather, Peyton Manning can't play in the cold. Ask Ty Law. He can't play in the cold. All right, so I, I'm going to agree with Steve's He's not list. Wrong. And then you also said John Elway won two Super Bowls by himself. That's a BS lie. Because if he won them by himself, he would have been four and two in Super Bowls, not two and four. 
He Ooh. lost. So if you look at the past Super Bowls before, he lost every time basically because he tried to do it himself. They get Terrell Davis and then Rod Smith. They finally have a, a complete offense to do so. So <clears throat> that's fair. That's, that's I just fair, you said but he, he will. That final drive, what was it in the, in the later of the two Super Bowls that he won? He was like 37 years old. He's, he's spinning around like a helicopter out there. You're telling me that yeah, he well, had the help that the rest of the quarterbacks on the list that I had behind him in? Like well, uh, the, you're gonna you're leading me into my my top ten, so that's why I, I appreciate you bringing that up. So I, I appreciate that. So here's my top ten, and I, I did it on the spot, and I think it's a pretty good list too. Uh, obviously, we're all in consensus at the t- the top four it goes Brady, Montana, Breeze, and Manning. Uh, Breeze is above Manning because Breeze, I think, is a better just stats wise. Um, he may not be that kind of Omaha feel general like Peyton was, but man, could Bree sling that ball downfield? And he's had great receivers to do so. He still can. And he still can. I mean, thank God he's got Michael Thomas. I mean, really. He's and really thank God he's got a top 10 O-line. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, they know how to protect him. Uh-huh. At and five, I have John Elway. Ooh. Okay. I have John Elway at five. Okay. Because, so, Jack, what so you were saying. You, so, because, yeah, all right. I'm just glad that we agree that he did win two Super Bowls, basically – on by his own will no he did not win two Super Bowls by himself why he's on, on five on my will. list is because of one reason that man could run a two-minute drill better than anyone i've ever seen who's not tom brady two minutes left in the game there's only two men I, or three men really that i want holding the ball it's either brady montana or john elway i've watched so many clips at this point about john elway going down the field in the two minute drill that it's absolutely insane and the best part about it is it leads into my number six guy the man just played football he didn't go out there in the two minute drill and have a script of plays what he was going to do he just read defenses very well he didn't care for what names of defense cover three cover two nickel whatever he just went out and said all right this defense doing this you're going to do x y and z boom touchdown number six is my second favorite quarterback of all time brett Favre. brett Favre, not even close he also won only one super bowl against the patriots but that man could gunsling a ball better than uh, anyone i've ever seen he just went out there he could throw 80 times in a game and then next week, he would tell either Holgram or Mike McCarthy or whoever else, like, hey, keep, keep uh, getting some passing plays in here. It's like, Brett, you threw the ball 90 times last game. It's like, I know, but I'm good. Like, he did not like a, the run game. And that's why I don't think he had a lot of success um, in his Super Bowl runs or even playoff runs because he tried to do too much. But what he was doing was absolutely incredible. Uh, seven, I have Dan Marino because he revolutionized the game um, in the 80s, I mean, he's the first man to ever throw for 5,000 yards. Yes, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but his Super Bowl loss wasn't to a fluke. It was to Joe Montana in Super Bowl 19. So, I mean, if that's your only Super Bowl loss, and he played for some pretty bad Miami Dolphins teams um, at the end of Shula's run. So, I mean, if you put him on a different team, different system, I think he does win a couple more. Uh, John Unitas, I, I love John Unitas so much because he really, well, you know, what you said, he he really revolutionized the passing game with the Duke, uh, that, that new football that they introduced in the 50s. Uh, he was gunslinging it and really made it, um, you know, popular and exciting to throw the ball in a run-heavy league. I mean, him and John Mackey, the, that was the OG quarterback to tight end uh, dynamic duo. So 
I've seen clips. I mean, you watch the greatest game ever played, and it's just oh, it's weird to see because it was also played at Yankee Stadium, but still, it was, it's so fun to watch. Um, nine, I have Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is where I have Aaron Rodgers because I think Aaron Rodgers gets too much credit. The man has won one Super Bowl. He's been to two and lost the other one. He has not had nearly any success in the playoffs. He gets bounced. The, te- the year that they were supposed to have the best Packers team in the last decade or so. Lost to the Cardinals, lost- right? They lost oh, to the Giants. Giants. So, I mean, he can't do it in the playoffs. And um, But, I mean, he's just an absolute – and this is just kind of my fantasy – uh, in me too is that if you draft on your fantasy team you literally can just put a player in there and not have to worry about uh, what he'll do the next week and then 10 I went back and forth um, <clears throat> I, I really just went back and forth on this because I could put so many people in here but I have a little soft spot for him I put Steve Young I think Steve Young um, does not get a lot of credit because he followed Montana he still won two Super Bowls I mean it's still incredible Um and he played with Jay Rice, so obviously that's going to help his cause out a little bit more. But, I mean, he grinded so much. I mean, you look at his old days before he got to the 49ers with the Buccaneers. They had no help. If anyone tell, it says to you that Steve Young was awful on the Buccaneers because of Steve Young, it was because, no, it was they were literally considered the worst. They were the Browns and Lions before it was even relevant. They went like 0-2. Twenty-six, oh, and thirty-something, um, in a losing streak in two years. Like, and he was, I think, part of those teams at least somewhat. Um, and that's not just because of him. Uh, and then you get him into a system with Bill Walsh and get him kind of the credit he deserves. Get that monkey off his back. Uh, the famous clip of him uh, at uh, one of his, his first Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, he does it. I mean, he's, he was so good and his ability to keep the play alive too. And what we were talking about earlier is he was a gun. he was a, he was a passing quarterback. Absolutely. But he could scramble and he can get out of a a mess and really keep a play alive and even rush for a touchdown or two. So, um, you know, he's, that's why I got him at 10. I mean, this is the reason why I have Drew Brees as high as I have because he has no, he basically has had no help with the exception of the, of the 2009 season. If he had a defense in 2011, 12, 13, he goes to the playoffs. If he doesn't get screwed out of a pass interference call in 2018, he's in another Super Bowl. So like we're talking about opportunities that were taken away from Drew Brees, not to mention he's the most accurate passer in the history of the league. He throws for He's got MVP numbers. He throws for, you know, 30 touchdowns consistently every season. Doesn't throw too many picks unless he's unless his O-line decides to break down for a game. Uh, and and then the and the, and the, and then he also throws the deep ball exceptionally well and it does help that he's got some really great and talented receivers. But Joe Montana didn't put up the numbers that Drew Brees put up with Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time. Okay, but, but hold on. So so here here's my argument on that, and it's and it's been it's been something that I've been talking about for a long time. Take Drew Brees and Eli Manning. I know it sounds this, this sounds weird already. You put Drew Brees in MetLife Stadium. You put Eli Manning in the Superdome. Who's gonna have a better career? Because I'm telling you right now, Drew Brees in the Sean Payton offense that prior to Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram did not have a running back. 
And and when they did have a running back, didn't utilize Don't him. Don't you dare disrespect Pierre Thomas like that. Don't you right. dare disrespect Darren Sproles like that. They've always had these ridiculous running backs that just so fit well in the system. And I would start huge. a Pierre Thomas and Darren Sproles in the same fantasy lineup. Well, wait, and they got on. 20 points for me each. Pat, Pat, <clears throat> Pat, they threw the ball. He threw the ball 65 times a game when the average quarterback yeah, was only Pierre, 40. Pierre, Pierre Thomas, Thomas and Darren yeah, Sproles. Yeah, Pierre Thomas and, and Darren Sproles were used as catching receivers. So what I'm saying is, is Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram as a running back tandem where they ran the ball. He, didn't, he never had a running back tandem that, that actually ran it. He threw the ball 60, 65 times a game in a dome, and you played 12 games a year in either a warm-weather city or in a dome. Eli Manning, and this is where I'm saying that Eli Manning would be Drew Brees if you put him in a dome or in warm weather because he played in cold weather with, at, at times, better receivers and better running backs, depending on, on, on who you talk to. Drew Brees spent, spent the majority of his career with Marquise Colston, Devery Henderson, and Michael Thomas, and so Brandon Cooks for a couple of years. You just called Eli Manning better than Drew Brees. I hope you know that. No. No. Yeah. You said if you put Drew Brees no. up against Eli no. Manning in a Superdome, Eli Manning's going to win. That is what no. you just said. Pat, no. can you confirm? No. I said you he flip did, He did say Eli that, but I, I know career. what Steve's saying. No, Steve's saying that if you put Eli Manning in a dome for 80% of his games throughout his career, he has a better career than uh, – or just as good as a career as Drew Brees does. And if you put Drew Brees at MetLife Stadium, Drew Brees does not have the uh, success that he has had in the Superdome. However, I, I take that with a grain of salt because, uh, I mean, Drew Brees is not just a dome quarterback. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that's – but I, I see Bowl your in point the pouring there. pouring rain. Yeah, I'm watching it right now, man, and they're about to come back. They just got the onside kick. I wonder what's going to happen next. Hopefully Tracy Porter does something. I don't know, but yeah. Peyton Manning in the pouring rain. Yeah, I I just – I have a real issue with um, people with Eli Manning stands because Eli Manning, if you look at his numbers, uh, he threw just as many interceptions uh, as Brett Favre, and he has a record of 119 and 119. Uh, So um, it don't. I understand where you're coming from, Steve, and I, I agree with you to an extent. But uh, I, I'm not I saying Eli. I'm not saying Eli's better. I'm saying Drew no. Brees you're saying that they, he would have a better overall record. I think I mean, Eli you Manning say the same thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't play in the, in the cold in Foxborough. He plays Bro, in if dome. Tom Brady played in a dome for eighty percent of his games, Tom Brady would never lose ever again. Ever. <laughs> but, well, I'm not. That's not even like a. That's not a page. That's just like. If you play in a dome, it's so easy. There's no factors of wind. There's no cold. There's no nothing. It's literally the same temperature. It's the same field. Yeah. Nothing's getting beat up or whatnot. Uh, it's it's literally just like a kind of a cheat code. Why do you think Tom Brady wanted to go to Tampa to end his career? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's like if Tampa played in a dome, it'd literally be even more of a win-win. He probably would have signed there two years ago. I'm not saying – I'm not saying that anybody would be better or worse because Drew Brees would obviously have had the better career anyways. I'm, my, my whole my whole thing is is that Eli Manning played his whole career in the South. He went to Ole Miss, and then he had to go up to the cold and deal with it. Again, I get it. Drew Brees won a Super Bowl in the pouring rain, but but but, but the whole point is is that Drew Brees would still be a, a great quarterback. I just don't know if he would be the top five, top three quarterback of all time had you put him in MetLife Stadium for his whole career. Wow. Again, yeah, you're right. Peyton Manning would have been. Yeah, it's all, it's all hypotheticals. And then Drew Brees is four. So, I mean, it's like, what do you, what do you think? they're the same quarterback, essentially. 
Drew Brees yeah, just look, and look, people it, forget Drew Brees played in San Diego. Yeah. He played in the warm weather. But it didn't really work because the system played didn't outside. really work well. Yeah, because, was they, the because they, they got rid of him so that they could draft. Guess yeah. who? Eli Manning. All right, we didn't draft OBJ just to trade him. So Again, it's all, it, it's all hypotheticals. I hate talking hypotheticals, but it's been a debate that I've it had is. in my head. It I is. love it. I love – give me you all hypotheticals. We are, resorting, we are resorting to this level of just pure idiosy, idiosyncrasy because we are this – PO that we don't have sports right now, but guys, we have to get going. My computer is going to go play die. some sports right now. So <laughs> my I'm computer to go play my is a, my computer is about to die. So we got to wrap up the episode. We've been talking for like an hour and a half. Not a bad thing. It's just that you know, let's let the people go and listen to some uh, to some of the new DaBaby album um, instead of Ooh. listening to us ramble about sports. Wish Khalifa had a great album too. Listen to that. What? What do you think about new the new DaBaby album? I think it's all right. Didn't Lil Uzi drop today? Lil Uzi dropped like weeks ago. Yeah, but he, he tweeted something on like Thursday that was like Monday. And we were everyone's like, oh, he's dropping another album. I don't know. All, all I know is, is that I have to go upstairs and put some week off. So I'm yeah, going to fact. I've been kicking my I got to go play my Madden game. Eugene right. Krabs. Look, it's year 2028. 20, <laughs> Make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter at Mac and Maine. Go like us on Facebook. Go find us on YouTube. This video will be posted on YouTube on Tuesday, a day late, so that we can get all of our production off. Pat, go ahead. Plug your social, man. Yo, so everyone, little up announcements from me. Uh, follow me at Pat underscore Pitts for everything NFL. If you want to talk sports, please, I need it in my life. And okay. go follow at 4th and Goal USP, number 4, TH and Goal USP. We will be live on Thursday. We're doing a draft live stream with all our crew um, from Philly to Boston, and we're going to be giving you our live reactions on Twitch. Uh, so go follow our Twitch channel, twitch.tv backslash underground sports PHI. Um, and then also follow it just because if you want to watch sports, I got nothing else to do but play them in my basement. So uh, gotcha. that's exactly what I'll do right now. Uh, and then I'll also follow fourth and goal USP on Instagram as well. Uh, we got stuff posted from our shows our draft top tens and then we're also on facebook as well because we also want to hit that parent market you know every all our parents are on facebook so why don't we cater to the senior citizens as well so we are there we're everywhere so uh catch us that's it guys make sure you guys go follow all of the social medias for anything related to sports for jack main steve mcavoy pat pitts Everybody stay safe and stay healthy. We will be back with another episode next Monday. So long. Live, love, we golf. Thank you for listening to the Mac and Main Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main and like us on Facebook for updates about the show, news, and highlights around the world of sports. Make sure to listen to us Monday nights at 7 p.m. on 98.1 WQAQ or stream us live at WQAQ.com.